Hello and welcome to Rise of RevOps. This episode features an interview with Pete Angstadt, Chief Revenue Officer at Fordrock. Fordrock geeks out on digital identity so you can better engage customers and empower employees without compromising on security and privacy. Pete is a growth and execution-oriented leader with a particular focus on new customer acquisition and customer success. Before his role at Fordrock, he served as Group Vice President of Cloud Security and Management at Oracle, where he was responsible for all cloud security and cloud management solutions for North America. On this episode, Pete discusses avoiding surprises by being data-driven, maintaining client security in a growing digital industry, and why RevOps is a necessity to develop and execute a successful go-to-market strategy. But first, a brief word from our sponsor. Rise of RevOps is brought to you by Qualified. Qualified's Pipeline Cloud is the future of pipeline generation for revenue teams that use Salesforce. Learn more about the Pipeline Cloud on qualified.com. And now, please enjoy this interview with Pete Angstadt, Chief Revenue Officer at Fordrock, and your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Rise of RevOps. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios, and today I am joined by a special guest, Pete. How are you? Very good. Thanks for having me. Excited to have you on the show. Excited to chat about RevOps, about what it means as a CRO, how you think about it, and everything in between. So tell us a little bit about your background. I know you're not specifically in RevOps because you're the CRO, but really you're, you are a little bit in RevOps. So uh, how did you come to be a CRO of Fordrock? Ian, thanks. So by the way, we're all in RevOps. So just to be clear, we absolutely are. Yeah. So I've been uh, really running sales teams of all shapes and sizes for the past 20 years. I'm really passionate about working with teams. And you know that really includes finding and developing top talent, but then really delivering and driving high growth businesses. And that really starts with customer success and, and the mindset of how we work with our customers all the way through their buying journey. And ultimately, the success of that team and customers is really a formula, I think, for success. So worked for bigger companies, worked for Oracle for a, a decade, came to Fordrock about four years ago. And uh, it's been a great run at Fordrock and, and really all shapes and sizes of companies. But I think I've learned quite a bit of, along the way. And one central theme is that uh, you've got to have a plan and a strategy and go execute it around RevOps. Yeah. And so tell me a little bit about like, what is your definition of, of RevOps? Sure. I think RevOps, RevOps is everything it takes to develop and execute a successful go-to-market strategy. And it really is the whole customer journey engagement requires a, a great revenue operations plan. And, and there's a lot to that journey. And really, you need to be strategic about how you're going to engage customers, but then you've got to go operate like crazy as far as tactically making sure that you're touching your customers along the whole way and, and optimizing those revenue opportunities. And so tell us a little bit about Fordrock. What do you all do? Who do what customers do you all serve? Sure. So Fordrock is uh, the leading digital identity provider in the marketplace. We're really focused on large and, and enterprise customers. And I'll tell you a personal story maybe to explain what Fordrock does. I've got a wife here at home and, and two daughters, two teenage daughters. And, um, you know, once COVID hit, we really changed our behavior. We went from going to the store like everybody used to, to all of a sudden, I think a package shows up every day to my door. And, you know, why is that? It's because we've really become digital consumers for just about everything that we buy. Same thing at, on the, the workforce side of things. You know, right now I'm working from the home office. A lot of us are still doing that. Certainly for COVID, we did it for a multi-year period, but that's become more of a norm. 
And, you know, I've really seen that behavior change over the course of time where everything's digital, whether it's consumer side of things or workforce. And that's really what ForgeRock does. We provide digital identities for both consumer as well as workforce. And ultimately, our vision is to uh, to have a world where you never log in again. You know, and I think certainly that would be a that world would be a better place for all of us. But ultimately, we need to have a secure, scalable platform that that helps manage those identities, no matter how, when, or where you want to come into different applications. Yeah, and boy, do we need it. I'm definitely uh, a huge fan of never logging in ever again, and and all the work that y'all are doing at Fordrock, that's for sure. Absolutely. Thank you. And you know, it, it's interesting. I think the pandemic really did accelerate some of the trends that we're seeing in, in, in identity and the growth around digital identity specifically. You know, digital transformation is something that every company has to go through. You have to be digital in order to be competitive these days. But what does that mean? It really means you've got to create a frictionless experience for your, for your users. That's a great experience, but it's also simple and secure. And, um, you know, every company is facing these real challenges around, you know, the cyber threat landscape that, that they have to deal with consumer fraud on the, on, the, on the buyer side. And there's a lot that you have to deal with digital identity. And, uh, you know, Fordrock, again, we really focus on the biggest, most complex global companies in the world. That's what we do better than anybody else. Those large enterprise customers that have huge scale, huge complexity. Fordrock uh, delivers for those on a, on a global scale and uh, really proud of what we do for, for those companies. And nothing more topical than right now in the news is just announced that there's potentially $45 billion of, of government funding that uh, uh, was was taken because of, uh, you know, people's basically scamming uh, all of the, the stuff that happened over the course of COVID, which is, it's not great. And it boils down to digital identity. And uh, so, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it is one of the most important issues that we're dealing with, not only as a, in business, but as a society. Absolutely. And it's just continuing to grow. I mean, the average breach now is up to $9.5 million when a company has a breach. And that's, you know, it's just not sustainable. Companies have to protect themselves, but they also have to protect their, their customers and the experience that customers have. And, you know, the fastest way probably to turn away from a brand that you like is if your, your data is breached and, and all of a sudden you've got an identity issue. So, that security and, and managing that complexity and the continuous challenge that, that companies have is something that uh, you know most people need help with, and, and that's really our market. And so, tell me about your RevOps team. How do you uh, how do you organize it? What approach do you take? Sure. So, RevOps at Fordrock is really ingrained in every aspect of our business, from planning to execution. You know, geographic coverage. You know, we need engagement and accountability with with our RevOps in, in literally everything we do. And I think it's ex- extremely important to us. We're a high growth company. We've grown 30% plus on for 10 straight quarters. And that's a great you know, a barometer to go drive yourself with. But we need to understand how we're going to grow. And to do that, we've got to place investments in a variety of different places. But we need to understand what's the ROI that we expect to get from those. So you know, it's really central to becoming a consistent, predictable revenue engine that Fordrock has to be as a public company. But it's critical that, that we have RevOps every step of the way as we do planning and make those decisions on how and why we're going to get maximum value for those investments. Yeah, and about how many people are, are, are working in and out of RevOps across your go-to-market? So specifically in RevOps, we've got about a team of, of 8 to 10 that, that are, are working in RevOps. And really, again, they're ingrained in the, in the geos. So how we're set up kind of globally is we've got three main geos, the Americas, EMEA, and APJ. And we've got a RevOps lead for each one of those regions. 
And it's really everything from how we're going to market. We're replacing some, some of those investments planning. We're going through FY23 planning right now. And we were looking at what geographies we possibly want to go make a bet on and make an investment in and possibly grow into. You know, what does that mean? It means we need a real RevOps function to go understand the market opportunity there. You know, what's the TAM? What, what can we possibly go after from a target perspective? Does it make sense for us to invest there? How would we go to market there? What's the cost structure? What's the return level over the course of time? So that's a, a very you know, strategic discussion that we're having. And then it goes all, all the way through to when you acquire customers, how do we maintain them, manage them? How can we get the, the maximum you know, net retention rate on, with those customers? How can we avoid churn? All these things ultimately go towards you know, ARR, the, the, uh, the annual revenue uh, renewals that we're looking for. And if we can't drive that ARR as a company, then again, being a predictable business as a, as, a, as a public entity is a really hard thing to do. And it seems like you'll sit you know, across you know, sales, marketing, customer success. It, it really does sit across every sort of uh, the go-to-market and, and, uh, and success and renewal sides of the business. Yeah, absolutely. Again, the whole customer journey from when we're trying to attract them to when we bring them on board. And the customer success piece is a really interesting thing that we've invested in significantly the last few years. And we've seen some dramatic improvements with our, our churn as well as our net retention rates. You know, bringing customers on board, once you have them, you have to maximize that, that share of wallet with them. And you know, having a plan around that from RevOps for how many people do we have in customer success? What's the expectation of the ratios that we have customer success Per, per account, what type of, of ultimately, you know, we call them CSQLs, customer success qualified leads that we generate from that team. It's not a natural thing for a lot of our customer success people, but if you take good care of your customers and you're fully engaged, you're naturally going to drive some opportunities for your sales force to go expand that share of wallet with the customer. I love it. No, that's, that's really exciting. And I think that it really shows the transformation of this role to be, you know, such a revenue driver to say, you know, that RevOps can help identify these things and, and take something like customer success, which again, they're like, you know, there's sales ops, there's marketing ops, there was not customer success ops, right? Like that is, that's, this is kind of uncharted territory. I'm curious, like how, as you've organized this team and resourced this team as the CRO, you know, that's something that you obviously are passionate about. It's why you're on this podcast today. How is your team different from other teams? Why are some folks, other CROs, perhaps like lacking in building out this capacity? You know, it's a hard thing to do because when you're managing a growing business, there's always, always cost constraints, concerns about how do you grow and how quickly can you. So I came to uh, Forge Rock, uh, again, almost four years ago. And, um, you know, I was at a point where I was ready to go be more impactful probably for this size organization. We're coming from a bigger company like an Oracle. And Forge Rock was in a very interesting spot. They were about 60 million in ARR and, and had been relatively flat for a couple of years. Needed to do a handful of things. Needed to really transform the business, go from selling perpetual deals to, to more consistent subscription deals where you're driving ARR and consistently engaging with your customers. And things like customer success how do you make that investment? And are you ready to do that? And what's the cost related to that? What's the opportunities it's going to open up? So at that point, we really made a decision that, look, we needed data to be what's driving us from a decision-making process. And in order to do that, you have to invest in the, in the RevOps function. You know, when I was interviewing, it's one of the things I, I, I Fran Rush, our CEO, I was talking to him and said, look, Fran, we need to change the business in a variety of ways. I think we need to be data-driven. We need to get to subscription. We were in the pivot in the uh, point of trying to pivot to the cloud and really develop a SaaS application rather than the legacy on-prem piece that we had. 
So we had a lot of things that we had to do as a company, but one of the fundamental pieces was really being a data-driven company for making decisions. In order to do that, you need a real RevOps function that's part of every piece of your business. And I can tell you, we went from being that $60 million company or $60, you know, $60 million ARR company to making the investments in the right places. You know, COVID hit. Nobody knew what was going to happen with COVID, right? We were actually doing planning for what's if the business is down 25%, 50%. RevOps is doing all that. It's a little scary when you're doing some of those projections. But again, I think we really felt the opposite experience when people turned towards digital and ultimately companies had to accelerate their move to, to digital transformations with digital identity being a foundation for that. And look, we've had a great run. When I was interviewing, I was interviewing with Fran and I said, Fran, if we do a great job at Forge Rock, how long would it take us to go public? And he said, two and a half years. I, I asked our CFO, uh, John Fernandez, if we do a great job, how long would it take us to go public? He said, three years. And last September, we went public. It was actually exactly two years and nine months to the day that I started. So right in between our CEO and our CFO's projections. But you know, it shows that we really had a strong plan. We executed the heck out of that plan. And RevOps was a big part of that plan as far as what's our growth projections, how are we going to get there, what investments are we making, ROIs are we, are we deriving out of those investments, and how are we going to continue that, that accelerated growth to get to a public company and beyond. I love that. That's such a cool story. And obviously, that's the, that's the sort of stuff we love to hear. I'm curious, like, as the CRO, how were how you partnering with marketing throughout that process? Because I think one of the things that we talk to sales leaders, especially ones that perhaps are not the most data-driven, and they're like, hey, I want to be more data-driven. I need to bring in all this stuff because it's a weak spot of mine. You know, I've been, we've been closing deals the, the old way for a long time, and we want this organization to be data-driven, bring in a sales ops team, all that sort of stuff. But including marketing into that can be somewhat challenging for a sales leader. Yeah, absolutely. And it is, right? And I think the alignment with marketing has got to be there. And um, honestly, we had a lot of work to do when we started. Again, when Fran came in, he really redid his executive staff, including his chief marketing officer. And um, you know, when I came in, that was one of the first connections that we have to make is we have to be aligned on what the strategy is, go to market. And really, again, the, the investments that we ultimately made, we went from being about you know, a 50-person type sales organization, grown to 100. Next year, we're going to be closer to 125 you know, when we have that size and scale, you have to make sure that you're placing those bets in place in, in areas that the marketing organization is going to be able to support. You know, again, so those those that operational component of it, that alignment has to be there. And it's everything from, you know, what's our messaging? What type of, you know, geographic coverage are we willing to have? Local language sets. Um, there is a lot of complexity and it, again, comes back to analyzing the data. What's the TAM? What's the market opportunity in some of these areas? And should we be trying to expand? Growth can come a lot of different ways. It can come from being great at what you do. It can be increasing your scale. It can be moving into adjacent markets. And it certainly can be, be from uh, global expansion, right? And we're looking at all those things. And we have to have the, the, uh, the alignment between marketing and sales to make sure when we're making one decision on the sales side of the house, marketing's right behind us and, and helping drive that all-important pipeline that I'm sure we're going to talk about. Yeah, let's get into our first segment here, Rev Obstacles. Obstacle, obstacle. An obstacle to what? There's your obstacle! Where we talk about the tough parts of RevOps. What were some of your Rev obstacles, uh, the hard RevOps problems that you've had to face in the past six months or so, and how'd you solve them? Look, the, uh, the macroeconomic conditions have changed in the past six to 12 months, right? Uh, they just have. And that means we really need to question our assumptions on every aspect of the business. You know, one example I'd, I'd use is our conversion ratios. 
right? We've got a data-driven approach to everything we do, and we leverage our historical conversion rates with really, we focus on a, a trailing 12 months ratio. So when we project our, our revenue forecasts for, for you know, Q plus one and Q plus, and, and the next quarter, you know, Q plus two, looking out for the first half of the year, what are those conversion ratios ter- versus the total pipeline? And you know, we've had to, because of the macroeconomic conditions, we've got to lower that threshold for that procurement spend. A lot of companies are saying, hey, I'm spending less money. Um, maybe there are additional approval steps during a cycle. And again, we're selling enterprise deals. So if projects are going slower, there's less spend, it makes it more challenging for us to get those deals in on the timeline that we thought we could. Look, we can't control the macroeconomic realities, but we absolutely need to be proactive and thoughtful about how they're going to impact our business. So, you know, push that over to the RevOps side of things. How do we adjust our revenue projection models with a changing economic condition? Look, we need to look at the data. We need to be very analytical and flexible about our assumptions. What happens if, you know, our close rates or our average, you know, typically it's about a six, six month sales cycle. What if those turn into eight months? What if the ASP, instead of being $300,000, it becomes two fifty? dollars right? We have to tweak all those little models to make sure that as we're looking at our revenue forecasts, we're looking at the different scenarios for that macroeconomic impact that we can't control it, but we certainly can understand it and plan accordingly for our, for our projected revenue moving forward. Well, it's interesting that you talk so much about projections here, because I think that this is another one of those things that, um, you know, sales ops obviously being a part of this forever, whereas, you know, marketing ops or, or customer success, obviously you're projecting a pipeline number, you're trying to commit to a pipeline number if you're marketing customer success, you're trying to commit to that renewal number, and you're trying to get those those type of commitments. But you know, inherently trying to figure out, you know, whatever, A-B testing for a marketing campaign, which is going to drive a bunch of leads or drive a bunch of, you know, account engagement or, or whatever sort of, you know, system you're doing are kind of different. They're different muscles, right? And that's, that's sort of a different thing to do projections versus, you know, doing those like those type of campaigns. So I'm curious, like, how do you think about organizing your team with relates to relating to like those different skill sets that you need for a RevOps team, which is, is pretty complex? No, I think it's a, it's a great question. And, and ultimately, you know, at Forge Rock, we're a big fan. It's one of our core values, actually, of making sure that we're inclusive and, and we're driving diversity in general in our, in our workforce. But I look at the RevOps team and I think we need to do the same thing because you need to have people with different skill sets, different experience levels, and different muscles. You know, you mentioned that those muscles, it's different muscles that you need to do throughout the, use throughout the cycles. And especially in a fast moving, high growth company, you can't just, you know, some companies have a plan that I kind of call it a set it and forget it plan where you set at the beginning of the year and say, we're going to run it for the year and go do it. A high growth company, we don't have that luxury. And then you throw in, sprinkle in some macroeconomic conditions on top of that. Look, we need to have very experienced people that are willing to leverage their, the tools that they have, that they're, they're willing to really look at the data, what's the data telling us. So, you know, one prime example, you know, I mentioned the, the macroeconomic conditions, right? At one point as a company, certainly beginning of this year, you know, we had, we coming off a great year, just had gone public, came off a great Q4 and had great earnings, right? And then the great resignation period really hit in the first half of the year, hit just about for all companies. And you need to stop and think about that and say, okay, so pipelines, the oxygen of a company. If we have some, some attrition here, what does that mean for us? And I think we need to, you know, continually be inspecting the sales capacity do we have the right levels in order to deliver the pipeline that we need in order to deliver the growth that's expected? 
all while this macroeconomic winds started changing as well. Luckily, we have very detailed models that we really run. When we're selling enterprise and large enterprise deals, it depends a lot for us on the tenure of reps. So not only do we have to acquire great talent, hire that great talent, we've got to onboard them, we've got to enable them, then we've got to coach and develop them. We really want them to get to 12 plus months because we see in our, in our models, then they really take off from a productivity perspective. But you know, how do you hire the right number of people in a growing space, have to hire more people, make sure you get them through that onboarding, enabling, coaching and developing to get them where they're really flying on their own? In, in a challenging economy and, and in when, you know, people were leaving and still going through the COVID challenges that we had. I'd say that, again, we really had to rely on some of the data pieces and we put much more of a structured program in place around tracking the reps as they move through the kind of progression of lifestyle or, or life cycle of, of their, their, their time at Forge Rock. And are we hitting the pipeline development and the pipeline progression and the time to first deal and the ASPs that we want to? And then, you know, if we need to help certain people in some, in some areas, you know, reallocating some resources to make sure we're helping build that pipe at a territory level, at a regional level, at a geo level. And all that stems from data and coming up with a productivity model that we have that tells us, hey, we have to get to this point with this group of people that we have with this tenure group as they really progress through a zero to six months, six to 12 12 plus months. We know what we need to, to have a yield from each one of those groups in each point of time. And it's something that, again, we're constantly analyzing and evaluating on the regional geo and certainly on a global level from a field team. I love it. That's such a cool, uh, such a cool story. I think there's just so many folks out there that back in the day, you know, without, I mean, not, not that we're trying to sit here and justify how important RevOps is. It's just the reality of the situation, right? It's like the reality of the situation is such that when a rep hits 12 months, you know, you're going to get better productivity. It's like, if you have a RevOps team, it's going to, you're going to be able to spot better areas of productivity and be more profitable and, and, and just have better results. And Ian, you know, it's, it's a common sense thing last time, right? We're, of course, that makes sense. Sure, you have reps longer, they're going to be better, they know what they're doing, they build a pipeline. But then you have to look at the mix of people that you actually have. And what do you have from a, from a hiring perspective? What's your hiring pipeline? This is all before people even get here. What's your hiring pipeline? What, how many heads do you need to open during the course of the year in order to have the growth rates you expect to as a growing company? And again, all this only gets a micro, uh, a, a big microscope on it when you're a public company all of a sudden because you got to hit your number on a quarterly basis. And all this is data-driven, and you have to really be constantly paying attention to each one of those as they graduate, we call it graduating from different tenure groups, but do you have enough people in each tenure group and what's the attrition es- estimates that you have versus the, re- versus the actuals? And then, hey, do you need to make an adjustment in certain areas? And it's, it's a constant thing that we have, you know, we have biweekly meetings when we're looking at, at those models and making sure that, hey, by the way, it's people business and you have great people. That's a, that's a beauty of Forge Rock. We've got great people that are passionate and love being here and love driving success for customers and it's a, it's a really cool company to be part of. At the same time, you have to be data-driven and you have to go through that, that an analysis and be really disciplined. The discipline piece of it's the hard part because you get going along, you're feeling good, everything looks good. You got to make sure you're going back to the RevOps team and saying, hey, keep us honest with ourselves. Make sure that we're really looking in the mirror, being honest with where we are, assessing the situation and proactively making those decisions so it's not too late and you find yourself in a challenging situation. I'm curious, you know, from a from a marketing or, or a customer success standpoint, any things that you saw that surprised you or any data? Because I think that, you know, with so much 
emphasis and and you know come growing up in sales and having a really good thumb on all that stuff those two functions kind of being probably a little bit more new to you although not new but but newer under under your kind of purview yeah and and it was and and probably the first year or so in my in my tenure here at Forge Rock um as we were really pivoting to a subscription based model and had, had made a nice transition there and you know projecting that ARR and what your churn rate is we had some risk there because we didn't have the predictability that we really needed to have as a growing company. And again, we were about a $60 million, million ARR company. Then we got to 100. And all of a sudden, you get to 100 or 200 million and you look at your churn rate. And you know if your churn rate is unpredictable, you think it's going to be seven and a half and it's 10. Well, that's a material amount of, of new ARR you got to go find somewhere else. So again, I think we saw some of that coming. We had a quarter or two of of some unpredicted churn, which kind of popped up out of nowhere. And I think we realized, look, we need to get closer to our customers. We need to make sure that we're engaged throughout the the customer life cycle. And we need to be able to predict that churn. The good news about Forgerock is the stuff really works. I've worked for some software companies where it's a struggle. It really works. It really works at scale. We've got great customers that are very, very loyal Forgerock customers. But you always have some level of churn risk. Um, whether it's companies getting acquired, whether it's making a different decision, whether you know a, a new CIO or a new digital chief digital officer comes in and says, I've used these tools in the past, I want to go use them. You always have some risk there. And the best way to mitigate that risk is to be really close to the customers and make sure you're not just talking to the project team, but you're talking to you know multiple levels and certainly the executives to understand what some of those those key initiatives are at the company. Yeah, that that that's pretty darn rad. Um it's so interesting to just think of how just interconnected all of this stuff is. Any other obstacles or or uh, or rev oops moments or or anything like that, or any stuff that you wish you could redo over the last couple of years? There's probably a list of things we'd like to redo if we had that chance, right? But um, <laughs> I think the biggest takeaway is always what's the data telling us, and and literally going back to some of those meetings that we had kind of before the first six months of this year when the, when there was that great resignation period. I think our hiring had slowed a little bit, mainly because honestly, we went public last last fall. We're doing really well as a company. You know, we're, we're beating our numbers every quarter. You get so busy doing some of that that hey, are we do we have the discipline that we need in order to make sure the hiring pipeline's where it is? The, then when you're hiring, we're going through the you know everything that I mentioned before, from the onboarding to the enablement. Are you going through all those steps with the discipline and rigor that you really need to? You never want to be in a position where you're surprised by something like, well, wait a minute, where's sales down? Sales aren't down today because of, of what you did you know, in this 24-hour period. It's because what you didn't do three months ago and what you didn't plan for six months ago. And really, the, the main thing that really the takeaway that I have is you got to be data-driven. We all have a gut in, from a business perspective, a gut feel. And hey, I, want, I think I need to make this decision. You know, the old Colin Powell comment where you have to get to 80%. If you know 80% of, of what you should know about the data, then make a decision. If you get to 100, it's probably too late, but you got to get to that 80%. If you're just making decisions based on kind of whim and my gut feel, I at least want to get to that 80% where I'm making that decision that's a fully informed, data-driven decision. It needs to be timely, needs to be with a sense of urgency. But again, it's got to be data-driven in order to to really have a directionally, I'm going in, in the area that I think I need to and making the right investment. Okay, let's get to our next segment, the tool shed. Hey, hey Brandon, Michael, want to do me and mom a favor, get off that shed? This is my favorite place, <laughs> the tool shed. Get off the shed! We're talking about tools, spreadsheets, metrics, just like everyone's favorite tool, Qualified. 
No B2B tool shed is complete without qualified. Go to qualified.com right now and check them out. We love qualified. We're just at we're just at qualified headquarters this week during Dreamforce, and we love them dearly. Go to qualified.com to learn more. Tool shed, Pete, what's in your tool shed? What are what are the things you're using? We got a lot of things in our tool shed at Forge Rock, actually. And again, a growing company, their needs, there's plenty of opportunities. I think it probably starts with the and not even necessarily a tool, but a methodology. So we use MedPick from a sales methodology perspective. And when I got here, there really wasn't a, a ton of uh, rigor around sales methodology. And I thought it's something that we had to put in place. But once you put a methodology in place, how do you then drive that? And how do you programmatize that? And that's with tools. A couple of the tools, Salesforce is our, salesforce.com is our you know, system of record. And you know, really, we're evolving our deployment of Salesforce constantly to trying to make it more of a Again, a data-driven tool. It takes the transactions, but then how do we get that data out in a way that we can make decisions? One actual Salesforce plugin that we have is, a, is an application called Close Plan that sits right on top of Salesforce. And that helps with the discipline around MedPick and some of the pieces that we, we were able then to incorporate and make sure that, hey, we just don't have the record there, but now we have some of the strategic pieces on top of that. That's been really instrumental in making sure that we were tracking and have a a data-driven approach to managing and maintaining all of the data that you need around a sales methodology. I can tell you the last couple of years, on the ops side of things, we've really gotten much more focused on, on, on leveraging some tools. We've put uh, Tableau in place for real-time visibility, um, something that we, we absolutely needed. I think we weren't doing what, what we, we're putting our managers in the best position to, to make those decisions, those data-driven decisions. You know, spreadsheets have their, have their place in, in every company, but we had to have a more proactive tool that we could really manage the business consistently. So Tableau's gone in. We use Anaplan really to, to do everything from forecasting to territory planning, multi-year modeling. And again, that's really helped us, especially you know territories, right? Your growing company went from 50 to 100, 150 reps that we're going to have. How do you come up with territories that make sense? Do you have the right number of people in a certain region? Should you go into another region? And all that's data-driven and Anaplan has been a great way for us to, to centralize that and have a consistent approach to it. So obviously you said you want to get a little bit away from spreadsheets. Spreadsheets is always a, uh, it's always a hot or cold with anyone in and around RevOps. Do you have a favorite spreadsheet or, or, uh, or something that, that, uh, or dashboard? Yeah. I don't like to admit it, but yeah, yeah, we still do. So <laughs> we've still got some of our, uh, our sales productivity modeling is really still still spreadsheet driven today. And I mentioned before, you know, my, one of my favorite metrics is the sales productivity component. And when I was talking about selling to large and enterprise and, and how we have those six month sales cycles, I need those tenured reps, right? And that that whole progression that, that we were talking about about reps and how they graduate from from different time categories. We need reps that can find, progress, and close enterprise business. And that's sales capacity and that, that those productivity metrics, they're absolutely critical for us to understand with the high growth, rate, growth rates that we have every step of the way. And, and really, the end result is the net retention rates, right? If, we, if, we're, if we're not driving the net new business and optimizing our existing customers. So I really, it's two things they ask me about, it's sales productivity metrics, and then you can see the end result in the uh, net retention rates. I love it. So fun. Well, I guess maybe not fun, but <laughs> as, as close as it gets uh, in this uh, in this world. Um, any blind spots that you feel like you you wish you kind of had a better sense of? Yeah, I think um, 
you know, I, I mentioned pipelines, really the oxygen of a business for one of our managers is pipeline is life. So he even takes it a, a little more extreme than, than just oxygen. But look, I think those pipeline ratios are something that, especially in changing times, you, you want maximum visibility around that. And uh, I think we're still working and putting in place, you know, how do we have more coverage and, 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 and how are we growing the pipeline in order to potentially address those, you know, slower spending, longer sales cycles, all the things that, that can happen to any company in a, in, a, in a challenging macroeconomic time. But really, that's impacting the top of the funnel. And, you know, an, an example of that is as we look at pipeline in different regions, we're trying to get better visibility into that, not just the total pipe, but in region and look down to a rep level. And at a rep level, then, okay, if they're behind in pipeline, is it the person? Is it the talent? You know, is it the fit? I think we do a pretty good job of hire, of, of acquiring and, and, and attracting really strong talent. So then we look at how do we help them? And we've got our SDRs, our sales development reps that, that help generate business for, for the field. So we're, we're actually trying to more proactively take that SDR group and help bump the pipeline of some of the people that maybe are falling a lo- behind in the pipeline progression estimates, you know, point those SDRs towards Get, get a different level of support for, for a handful of reps that maybe maybe need that pipeline bump. And look, SDRs are great resources for us. When you look at cost per value, they're, they're great bang for the buck. So we've actually, in the second half of the year here, just looking at the macroeconomic conditions and how do we continue to build that pipe, we've decided to invest in more SDRs. And then we're looking at where we really deploy those SDRs in certain regions and areas in order to look, we always want to maintain a ratio of SDRs to account reps kind of by region, but but we're trying to be really, really smart by looking at where are some of the opportunities for us to do that. And I think that's a process in the last six plus months that we've gone through that we probably didn't have the visibility that we we needed to in order to make some of those strategic decisions on where we're, we're, we're deploying some of those, those new resources. And I, I think we're now just really starting to optimize that and, and help make sure that we're putting everybody in a position to be successful. You mentioned pipeline, obviously, uh, a bunch. Yeah, obviously, it's it's like you said, it's the lifeblood. I'm curious, like, how do you how do you carve up uh, pipeline with uh, with marketing? How do you you know? I don't know if you share the bant or, or how you how you what's your methodology there? Yeah, sure. So um, pipeline analysis is again something that I think we need to continue to mature. And it's a great example of you know spreadsheets. We everything was in spreadsheets going back even 12 months, and we're really starting to optimize that where we've got a. And what does that give you? Again, nothing wrong with spreadsheets, right? We still use them for a lot of different things, but it doesn't give you the real-time visibility in order to make decisions in, a, in, a, in an urgent matter at times. So we're trying to move, move more towards as much automation as we can get. So how do we drive that pipeline between marketing and sales? Look, I think there's multiple ways that you're going to get pipeline ultimately. Certainly from the marketing department, I think marketing touches everything. So, you know, just just saying, hey, marketing needs to do X amount of your pipeline. We have, you know, the marketing handoff to SDRs for leads that are inbound. That should be about a third of our pipeline. Our MAEs, our account reps that are are working directly with existing customers and net new customers, that should be about a third of our pipeline. And then we've got a phenomenal partner network out there. Um, we've got you know global systems integrators as well as regional systems integrators that do a great job deploying Forge Rock, but they also bring opportunities for us. It's a two-way street as far as bringing us opportunities and then, then us helping them close, close those deals and they get the implementation work on top of that. So really, it's about a third, a third, a third there between, between partners, between marketing to SDR, inbound leads, and then our, our, our sales reps doing some, some work on their own as well as driving opportunities with existing customers. 
you mentioned a ton of cool stuff that you're doing with data, but any other kind of final thoughts on cool initiatives or cool things that you've seen with data or something that surprised you? You know, the, the surprise part is is probably what I'll touch on. I think we're, we're trying to move as quickly as we can and automate as much as we can. Um, you know, that's why the tool shed segment's very always of interest to me because I want to want to learn about what other possible tools we can we can snag in order to optimize this. Me too. It's just like, I mean, obviously, we, this is segment of the show, but I just, I'm just constantly fascinated by it. It's just, there's no right answer and it's, it evolves every freaking quarter. It quarters, I mean, yeah, quarter might even be too slow these days, right? It's just, it's just crazy how quickly things move. And, and look, the buyer's journey these days, we know changes where buyers want to go do more of their, of their own homework before they actually talk to a vendor. You know, there's all kinds of studies out there that say essentially 70% of the buyer's journey is done before they, they talk to the software vendor as an example. So we can have the best reps in the world, but if we haven't done the job of helping helping them find us and helping them with their journey before they actually talk to us, we may never reach that spot. And that's one of the things about Forge Rock growing, right? I mean, we've got to continue to, to grow our brand. We need to get in more fights. I absolutely love fighting, getting out there and getting into a really competitive battle with some of the other people in digital, in the digital identity space. Our win rates are, are very strong against some of the competition, but we got to make sure we're in enough fights. So that's where you know that alignment with with uh, with marketing really is important, and that's why the tools. How are we driving some of that top of funnel um, opportunities? You know, going digital, going digital. You know, we're just not digital identity. We're doing digital marketing, and everybody expects that. So, how do we leverage tools out there that we're constantly evaluating and getting the most bang for our our marketing and and ultimately the investment the company makes, right? Yeah, it's it's always such a uh, interesting challenge when you're you're the company that's trying to say, hey, if we just get in that in that group of three or four, that's if we're getting into evaluation phase, like we're gonna win a ton of those, right? Like if we could just get the data on how many deals we're we're evalu- we're getting evaluated, like we're gonna win a bunch of those. So how do we get there? And yeah, it's like the dark funnel, right? I mean, it's the that sixty whatever sixty seven percent of of the buyer's journey that's happening before they even get to you. It's that plus, you know, responsiveness. How quickly can you respond when they do actually want to talk to you? It's all those things that, like you said, that the data already is out there on that stuff. Like, you know, you have to be super responsive. You know that you have to have information on your website that's really good and high quality that can help them make those decisions before they're ready to buy. So yeah, and like, if you don't have the right tools that are tracking that stuff and the outbound campaigns that are going to bring them to that stuff, you know, you're, there's no way you're going to have visibility into the whole customer journey. Any other final tool shed thoughts? No, I think um, my job as a, as a chief revenue officer is pretty simple. It's to put people in a position to be successful. And in order to do that, I need to find the right tools. We need to have the right RevOps people, the right RevOps talent, and the right projections and, and make the right investments so we can let the field go do what, what, what we have them here to do. And um, again, if I put people in success in the position to be successful, it means tool shed, we're leveraging the right tools. You know, we're, we're putting them, in, putting the leads in, in place at the right time for them. And we've got some extremely talented people just to go execute. So that's, that's kind of been our, our path to success here the last couple of years. You know, now the challenge is great. We got from 60 million to 200 million in high growth and went public. How do you go from 200 to 500? How do you go from 500 to a billion? Those are all the things that we're really thinking about. And RevOps has got to be a, a core part of that planning and that strategy for the next couple of years. All right, let's get to our final segment, Quick Hits. Quick. 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 quick questions and quick answers. Peter, you ready? 
I'm ready. All right. If you could be any animal, no, sorry. If you could make any animal, any size, what animal would it be? And what size would it be? Make any animal, any size. Um, I think I still, you know, a, a lion's a tough thing to, to not be, uh, not, not want to go have out there leading for you. Just kind of a, a big, strong, you know, prideful person that wants to lead their pack and, uh, and is very loyal to, to everybody in their pack. You know, a lion's a kind of, of animal, I think, that um, really any leader should, should emulate. The, and there's a, a level with a lion, I think, certainly of strength and, and vision and leadership. But there's also humility, making sure that you're a servant leader and you're taking care of everybody in your pack. I love it. So um, I, th- I think it'd probably be a lion, yeah. Any RevOps misconceptions? Um, I think the biggest misconception is, don't worry, guys, we've got time to figure it out. I think it's it's in life we tend to do that, but in business it's absolutely a misconception. Um, again, I think if you think, well, let's let's just wait and see, and 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 we'll see how the you know the next month or sixty days or quarter goes. Look, that th- that's not a proactive approach to doing things. Let's look at what the data is telling us today. Let's look at there's any outside considerations that we should be you know really bringing into our model, but we've got to be highly informed. You know, we can't be paralyzed by data. We can't be, you know, I, I need every piece of data. Like I said, you can't wait till you have 100% of your data. You've probably waited too long. But in today's fast-paced business climate and, and, and you know, everything from COVID to the, to the economy to, to just the growth rates that are expected out there, um, we don't have time to figure it out. So I think we need to be very, a sense of urgency, high sense of urgency, um, you know, be very proactive and, and make sure that we're willing to, have, make the courageous decisions that the data is telling us to go make in real time. So we're, we're out ahead of some of those changes and, and we're not waiting for things to happen. We're making them happen as a company. Do you have a favorite book or podcast or video series or, or something that you've been checking out recently? So I'm definitely a bit of a podcast geek. Um, my daughters kind of make fun of me because we get into the, uh, into the car and there's always, you know, either it's, a little bit of sports talk on, but it's usually a podcast that comes comes popping up. But um, really, leadership podcasts, and I'll tell you, I, I learn a lot from those and just taking little nuggets of information. Uh, Greg Craig Rochelle has one that I, I listen to that I, I really like, and it's a kind of fast-paced, different subject all the time. And I think there's always nuggets that we can take and go run and and learn from. So yeah, sign me up for podcasts. And, and I'm always telling you know people, I tell them what podcasts I just listen to or I send my leaders lots of times. The poor guys get up and I usually do it when I get up and work out first thing in the morning and they get a you know text from me at 5.30 in the morning saying, hey, give this a listen. It's a, it's a suggestion. It's not an order, but it's, uh, you know, I think it's a great way for us to learn and continue to expand. And, you know, that, that desire for continuous learning, I think, is something that any leader needs to have. And, you know, ultimately it drives to a, an attitude and a desire for openness and willingness to learn and, and evolve. And, and again, I think it's something that we have to do as a company and we have to do it as individuals and, and certainly as leaders. Well, I mean, you're preaching to the choir. Our Caspian makes podcasts and video series. So I, I full wholeheartedly agree with everything you said. All right. Um, before we get out of here, uh, just two final things. Uh, first off, do you have a question that you would ask a fellow RevOps leader or someone that that is in RevOps that you're like, ah, I would love to know this. Sure. Um, actually, I like one of the questions you asked me, what's your, your Rev Oops, right? I, I always like, I like hearing about, you know, what have you learned from, from the data and, 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 and RevOps process that surprised you from a, from a, from a business making decision? 
Um, and I think that's a simple question to ask people, but I, I get some amazing different answers as far as, you know, the company was doing this, we were doing it because we thought it made sense and it was a gut feel, but boy, the data staring us in the face. And, uh, and then we ultimately, you know, either change course or we didn't. And, you know, what's the, what's the, what's the, uh, opportunity costs that you may have lost or that you gained based on really, you know, leveraging your, your RevOps team. So it's, it's such a core part of what I think a growing organization has to leverage. And again, that discipline and that structure around that's a, a really important thing. Yeah, we had we had a, a, a guest on, uh, a marketing leader on our Demand Gen Visionary show who was telling us that they did a bunch of paid demos. And they were like, the stats were like significantly worse for the conversions for paid demos. We're like, yeah, I guess that didn't work. And it was like eight months later, all these leads were just like rolling in. And it was all the people who did the paid demos that had just basically like got to, uh, it was buying time, it was end of year, and they were budgeting for next year. And they all came like roaring back. And he was like, it had like 2x conversion rates than anything else that we'd been doing. And it was like, the data showed it was like, we just didn't have the right time horizons, right? It's like, we had to wait a year for the whole budget cycle to go through. And I'm like, man, that is like one of those things where you're like, gut feel, I'm going to do this thing. It didn't work. And then you're like, well, forever, it's just bad. But if you didn't have the data engine behind that, you would have never known that that's where all those leads came from. You got it. Absolutely. All right, final question. Best advice for uh, for someone who is a CRO overseeing a RevOps team? This is a straightforward one. Be data-driven in everything you do. You know, Develop a plan, make it smart, specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, timely. Set that plan and then have the data to assess the plan continuously. And, and make sure you're accountable to that plan and you have the discipline to really go back and, 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 and listen to the data uh, understand the data, and then make sure you're making decisions based on those that 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 data. That's that's absolutely the the critical thing. I think you've got to have maniacal focus on on data, data driven decisions. Execute on the big things out there, and and make sure that you're accountable to those decisions that you're making that, and what the data is telling you. Pete, thanks so much for joining. This has been absolutely awesome uh, for our listeners. I highly recommend you go check out everything at Forge Rock, especially if you need to tell your uh, tell your CIO, uh, tell your CISO uh, to go check them out. Go to ForgeRock.com. Any final thoughts? Anything to plug, Pete? No, Ian, thanks a lot. This is great. I, I love hearing about you know how RevOps is really really revolutionizing some of the the decision making with different companies. And you know if you're going to be a great organization out there, you have to be uh, you have to be leveraging RevOps. And and again. Go, go decide what those big things are, execute on those, and the company's going to be successful and everyone's going to have some fun while you're doing it. I love it. Thanks so much. Take care. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Rise of RevOps. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and subscribe wherever you're listening. This podcast was created by the team at Qualified. The Pipeline Cloud is the modern way B2B revenue teams generate pipeline. Learn more at qualified.com.